Hi, hello, and welcome back to finally a new episode of Culture of the Day. So we are back after a short hiatus. Hiatus, yeah. He had hiatus. After a short break. Um and I'm sick. I don't know if you can tell I'm stuffed stuffy. Like I'm sorry, I shouldn't be doing that. But yeah, I got sick last Sunday. It's all been fun. Um last week was a roller coaster, had so much to do. I wouldn't even know where to start. My my aunt and my uncle, my cousin visited. Um I had work even though it was supposed to like it was like my um reading week, so I didn't have class, but I had work and I was just all over the place. I got my nails done actually. I'm I'm a nail girly for the next two months, probably three. Because I like it. It's really cool, it's really cute, it's very efficient. I know how I feel about the regrowth, but it's only been a week. But anyway. Um I'm back. Um and also before the break, like I felt sloppy with how I was posting and how I was doing the culture of the day. And like even then, like you know, I'm like recording that on a Saturday. I have to put my phone on. Do not disturb. Uh but it's like ten fifty PM. It's November eleventh, so it's eleven eleven. Touch your nose and make a wish. Hope it was a nice wish. Um, and yeah, I've just like, you know, I wasn't very happy with how I was posting and I was kind of like overwhelmed and I was trying to hold on to dear life, which I'm still trying to do, but I feel like a bit more in control, I guess. I need to sit down my ankles. Ow, that was my knee. Oh, fuck. Um, anyway, so we're back, uh, better than ever. Well, not better, but different for sure. I mean, I'm still out there yeah anyway I don't know what I'm saying um ah. today's theme is um nostalgia um and kind of like the longing and the respect and the care that you have for the one who sorry the one who got away I guess um, kind of like I subtitled it the time that has passed and appreciating how far you've come and how far you've become because apparently I am illiterate but I think it's about reminiscing for something that is not anymore reviewing reviewing what had what has happened how things were how you were and like still longing for maybe that person or still reminiscing that time that was really sweet and really lovely but that was just that it was a time that has passed it's gone now um yeah I'm looking over my notes I think a lot of will a lot of it will surround around notions of lost loves like in terms of the music in terms of the movie the books one is about a lost love and then the other is kind of like about the soulmate connection um but yeah like it's about lost love because I think it's kind of like the way where it's most easy to articulate like it's so easy to talk about lost love it's so easy talking about that person that you think is yours 
uh, but you know, wrong timing or whatever, which I do think wrong timing, like if we want to get into it, if we want to get technical about it, I think wrong timing is bullshit. And hear me out, like wrong timing is real to the sense that it can happen. Like it cannot be a good time for you or for the partner that you're envisioning. But the part where I say it's like bullshit, I'm trying to sit properly, which is why I'm like stepping away from the mic. Oh, Jesus, I'm not young. Um, the reason why I say it's bullshit is because they're not fighting for it or they're not trying to like make it the right time is where I call it bullshit. Like, you know, like <sighs> there was this guy in high school, um, didn't work out. Thank the fucking Lord. Oh, I would have been so unhappy, but I remember I was just in tears and like, you know, I, I was like, I was, cath it was cathartic. Like I was euphoric in a really bad way. Like I, I was not having a good time. And I just remember him being like, kind of like in this, I'm an empath vibe being like, you were right. It's not our time yet. And I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like as Miss Renee Rapp said, I think you should shut the fuck up and die. Um, but anyway, but yeah, um, but I think like the reminiscing of what has gone, especially towards the self, right? Like sometimes, and I think I've mentioned it before, sometimes I just like click past pictures of me or yeah, pictures of me or videos or like, you know, I get those like highlights from like three years ago and I'm like, it did not feel like it at the time, but God, was I really cool. Like, like, and you know, it's kind of like in that specific frame, it's like kind of like getting a step back. And objectively realizing how cool you are. Because I know that I don't give myself enough grace for how I was a couple years ago. The things I did and who I was like physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, but kind of like looking back to it. I was like, well, hold on now. I was fucking baller. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think like it's important to like extend that like nostalgia to the self and and friendship as well like relationship but also like relationship outward and inward and just like longing for what can be or what used to be um yeah i'm looking at my notes seeing if i have anything be so careful um because i'm like sniffing a lot because my nose is still like stuff stuffed um, so I have to be careful because that's very gross. Um, but yeah, um, well, you know, I think like, yeah, I, I mean, my note was talking about contemplating past relationship in order to see what you did, what didn't work out and why it didn't work out and reflect on the person that you were at the time in terms of maybe being naive or maybe giving, maybe being too giving. Um, like, you know, for me, it was definitely wanting to be loved and controlled, not controlled, but kind of like have this unconditional love that felt like I was in charge of what was happening around me. But I mean, you know, like those reflection, like I was saying, they allow, they'll, they'll, oh wow, they allow for an appreciation of who we are now. Um, because I know that for me, it has taken me so long. It has taken me lot of years um to completely and utterly move on from past relationships um because of the guilt because of the pain because of the thought that I could be more I could be different I could be better um that I could have enjoyed it more as it happened and like you know that list is fucking endless but to kind of like 
understand that those memories I, I actually had a really 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 well plural really sweet conversations with a friend of mine yesterday it was really lovely and I, it was the first time I was able to talk about past relationship and talk about my story especially one where I could just be honest and I could be raw and and I didn't cry and I, and it wasn't as gut-wrenching as it's as it usually is like I was just seeing the way it was and I like was you know just kind of like taking a distance with it kind of like telling me that you know like you can tell this story now like it, I was also talking to a GP um at UCD and she was telling me like we were talking about therapy she was telling me like it's really you know it's not the best to like change therapists often which is only fair because it's like you build a relationship you open up and she was like the stories in the past that you have that have caused you trauma that have caused you pain that you're healing from are like a scab like you know if like it's like you can like pull at it like you know like take the scab like take the top off once or twice but if you keep doing that it'll never heal which echoes an episode of station 19 where I think um, Vic is dating, so Victoria, my precious, precious, precious little baby, whom I love with all my heart, is dating another guy after Ripley died, which, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Stage 19, Lucas Ripley died. Um, but Tra Travis, who's my sweet little boy, my little angel boy, um, lost his husband in a fire. Spoiler alert, because of Vic's new boyfriend. I guess yeah anyway and so Travis was in there was a fire a, a fire a, a skyscraper's a skyscraper fire and Travis was injured and there was like a large piece of glass in his heart in his chest and he was talking about like look at this wound and it was on his leg and he was like I kept see how it hasn't healed because I kept scabbing at it like taking the thing off because I kept touching it but look at my chest wound completely healed because I let it go and I didn't touch it and my point I think is that the GP was saying like you have you can tell it once or twice to like kind of like you know get it out verbalize it put it out in the universe but then you have to let it heal you have to let yourself process it and think about it in pieces not like rehash the same story over and over again and so kind of like that was kind of the first time where I was kind of like looking at this particular wound of this particular story and being like, oh, my God, it has healed. Like there is a little very faint scar, but it's completely healed. Like it's fine. Look. And I don't know. That was a very precious moment. Um, now, talking about the music, because that's why we're all here for Um I have done it uh, like I used to do it in the previous episodes, which is one artist. And a couple of songs. Um, and I, ha I have included another artist, but I'll talk about that later. Because who am I if not a creature of habit? Um, so the artist I'm going to talk about, like reminding you that the theme is like nostalgia, the feeling of the one who got away, the longing for a love that could have been, for a love that was great. And who else to talk about fucking longing than Andrew Hosier Barn? Um... So Hosier, Hosier is the artist of the day. Um, I know that I said that um, his statement on the ethnic cleansing of Palestinian people by the IDF, by Israel, was shit because it was shit, but... Um, but no, there's no but. It was shit, period. Um, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate him as an artist, and at least he's using his voice to point out how awful and 
heartbreaking and, and mad and astonishingly impossibly conceivable the situation is um which by the way I have briefly talked about it in my podcast before but I guess and it's my own bias I was kind of like afraid of talking about it because I'm you know I'm thinking like that podcast you know it can, it's supposed to be a source of light it's supposed to be like a conversation I would have with a friend but then I realized I would definitely have that conversation with a friend I would definitely talk about what's happening in Gaza what's happening in Palestine and how people are being murdered like just people are being murdered like people are being murdered there is a genocide going on and we should never be quiet about it we talk and I mean you know there's so many things that we can do it will never feel like enough but it's 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 what we can do whether it's like sand resources and I know that was a bit of a problem because the um, not the boundaries the les frontières étaient fermées um from Egypt to Gaza and um so the resources like you know the food and everything couldn't go through um but it's also it's also talking about it it's verbalizing it it's educating yourself on it it's not being like oh well because I know a couple of people have said that being like you know like it's too hard on my mental health but we don't have that luxury when a genocide is unfolding right when a genocide is unfolding right before our eyes we do not have the luxury to care about our mental health like I mean not care about our mental health but let our mental health get into the way of of trying to bring justice in whatever way that we can So yeah, educate yourself, um, share information, make sure you have trustworthy sources, um, talk to your representative. Um, I mean, in the EU would be EU representative. And if you're interested, I can share, um, there's a Google doc of this, this woman on TikTok made a list of all EU representative for each country with, um, English formatted letter to be sent to the representative about the situation in Gaza. I mean, the situation in Palestine as a whole um yeah um so I'll put that in the little like section where I talk about the music and everything um but yeah I wanted to talk about it which I think is important and it's there's never there's not there's never not an occasion not to talk about it we should always be talking about it doesn't matter if it doesn't go with the aesthetic doesn't matter if it doesn't go with whatever like that's so irrelevant so like uh, it's, it's like absurd how little does that matter comparing to what's happening like not no fuck yeah um I, I don't know but um so yeah the artist is hosier um and i'm gonna go first about the songs that truly are about longing and love and and care and I have put them in a weird order and I'm thinking now should I put them in terms of I think I'm gonna put them in terms of album just because that will like scratch my brain my brain a better way um but the first one would be work song my baby sweet as can be she give me two eggs just from kissing me when Gently in the cold dark earth. No grave 
and I mean, Work Song is, it's a classic by Hosey, right? It's the first album, it's the self-titled album. It's a, it's a classic, it's about, you know, like, loving someone so much, and that, like, even death cannot take, like, you know, it, where the meaning till death, till death do us part doesn't have any meaning, um... Like, you know, the, the, the lyrics, no grave can hold my body down. Like, I mean, fucking hell. Like, ah, like, you, I mean, it's, it's silly, but you know that, like, that meme where it's like, God made man and then sent Hosier as an apology? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that, you know, like, one thing that Hosier does, like, superbly is talking about longing and rooting for some, someone and something which has gone, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's, like, so powerful and so, like, lyrical the way he does it. Um, yeah, I think it's just, this is beautiful. Then we have a bit more upbeat, which is almost sweet music. Same kind of music, once Which, you know, almost, and I think that's very heartbreaking. And I, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I was, I wanted you to think that my source of information is TikTok, but I was watching this TikTok and, you know, the girl was talking, I think it was at the time where like one of the TikToker or YouTuber released this song thing. Uh, it was like, when I look in your eyes, oh, a glimpse of us, I think was the song and by Goji, I think. And it was, and I don't particularly like the song, I won't insert it, but it was basically this thing where like, you know, men, in the case of men, they have their first love and then all the other relationship they have after that is just a way to like mimic or think of that first love, which I think is what like almost sweet music makes me think of because, you know, he's like, I left like me again and she laughs like you. And I personally would kill myself, like I don't know who the second girl was, but you know what? Kudos to her because Jesus fuck. Um, but yeah, it's just like it, it's sweet, and that's where kind of like that's like where I'm kind of like mm, because it's sweet that he's still in love with that first love or like the initial love, let's say. But it's so terrible that he's just trying to find a new lover to replace and mimic what the old one did, which also is something that happens in a show called The Girl Before with Gugumbata Ra, which. I love her. Yeah, I love her. I love Gugu. She's the best. But it's like fucking creepy. And it's actually a sign of a mental illness. Um, so yeah. Um, then we have Nobody.
it's eleven eleven, and so it's November. Wait, I need to write that down somewhere. Ah, but it's eleven eleven. It's like so. It's eleven 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 eleven. Um, so you better make a wish. Let me type that somewhere. There we go. It's typed down. Um, I hope you made your wish. Your wish. Let me make mine. Um, cause I'm out there talking about wishes. What do I wish for? Yeah, I made my wish. So nobody is kind of like in the same vibe of almost sweet music where it's like, you know, but there's nobody that loves me like you or like I never got love from nobody like I, the love I got from you. And that like, you know, I, I get a lot much more because it's not using someone as kind of a decoy or replacement of the person that you loved. It's more of like realizing that, you know, it can be seen differently, I guess. It can be seen as like you can never find the love that you had with that person ever again. But then it's also like you can never find that particular capsule of time with anybody else it doesn't mean that the love was the best it just means you can never find this exact same thing ever which you can't really because you know everything is unique and i gotta sneeze give me a second you know like that's okay um and then so that so work song was hose yourself title almost a nobody was wasteland baby and now we move on to unreal on earth and i'll start with the first time first time is very special to me first off because I, I think it's just like melody speaking and everything is just such a very good it's a great song and then with the lyrics you know at the end he's like you know some part of me came alive the last time you called me baby and I think it's just beautiful because for me that means you know it's it's missing that relationship and I guess throughout the song kind of glamorizing it and being like oh it was so great I felt alive I, it's just, you know, like, it was, it was kind of like, it's like, you know, like those passionate relationships where it kind of like, like ends up killing you inside. And then, you know, at the end, you kind of like get out and be like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think you see what I'm saying. And it makes me think of a song by John Mayer, just called Wild Blue. Um, and I got to check the exact lyric, but it's along the same line as First Time by Hosier. But I think the song is just, it's, it's, it's good. And it's like, it's catchy and it's, it's delicate as well. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite songs of the album because I have to say, I haven't been the biggest fan of Unreal Unearth. It has some great songs, but I haven't listened to it enough. Like I, I went through about two to three listens and I was kind of not convinced. Um, oh yeah. 
Um, so in Wild Blue, he says, I found myself when I lost you. And I think that's, you know, kind of like the same vibe. And then also it's beautiful. It's, my, it's been my favorite lyric of the song. It's, and you'll never know the unlikely beauty in letting you go. And I just, ah, it, the girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't, don't. Um, but yeah. And then the last one so far about longing, which I think is all about going after your lost love and doing everything you can to be with them and, and nothing ever replacing what that was. And it would be Francesca. Francesca, I wasn't actually, I have to come clean. I didn't like Francesca at first. Um, I thought it was good, but I was just like, the chorus was really like addicting, but that was it. And then I was like, oh no, because, and then I heard it in concert and I was like, oh my God, yes, absolutely. And like, yeah, just like, I remember, yeah. I think it was, well, the first song he played in, at the concert was Eat Your Young, which is which slaps. Like, nobody can say anything bad about Eat Your Young. It is the star of the show. Rightfully so, right? Um, and then he played Francesca a couple songs after, and I was like, I get it. I, I, I am par, part of the girls who get it. I get it. Um, but yeah. You know, Fran, I'm, the, I'm, I'm not going to go into the story of Francesca. You can watch a very short, short video of Hosier himself explaining what is the meaning of the song. But, like, you can't do anything more than, like, you know, running after that lost love and, and, and trying your best to, like, relinquish with it. Um, but, yeah, then we have, so that was, like, five songs. Then we have four more. Well, five more. And then we move on. Oh, my God, this is going to be so long. I am so sorry. Um, I would like still to include my top three of Hosier um, because... I feel like that would be treason to myself, um, not to include my favorite ones. Um, so I guess in order, like from three to one, no, technically, mm, from, okay, no, now I have to change it. From three to one would be first, would that I? Oh, oh, oh. 
with that is a classic and it's actually fun fact the song that got me into hosier and i'll talk more about the rest of how i got into hosier but i remember i that was first semester of college i heard this tiktok which is, you know the first part true that i saw her hair like a branch of a tree and i remember i know that genevieve was really really liked hosier's music and they still do um but i remember just texting them and being like hi, I sent you a TikTok, can you tell me what song is this? And they were like, yeah, with that I, and then I listened to it, and I was like, mind blown. Um, it's beautiful, you know, it's like the fire of love that consumes you, not necessarily in a good way, but consumes you nonetheless, and I don't know, you know, like, I told you, I'm a hopeless romantic, I'm also a bitch for, like, passionate love, because it's terrible, and it will most likely destroy you, but it gave, it gave what needed to be given that's all it just it hits the spot then number two would be jackie and wilson So Jackie and Wilson is actually like a, a recent rediscovery who fell in love. Um, I had this argument with a friend of mine. Well, not an argument, but a discussion rather about which. And then I'll get into that. That will beautifully tie into the next song. But we had this discussion. And he was saying that like Hose Yourself title was better than Wasteland Baby. And I was like, no. And then granted, he had like a lot of like emotional connection. And like, you know, I think a lot of experience that attached to um to that album and it's a good album but for me it was like no you don't understand wasteland baby is just superior and then maybe it's because that's the album i kind of like discover it's it's the album i discovered hosier with like, i mean I've, i was listening to hosier before right like every other people like cherry wine like real people do um alone with you be alone i think is the song or, like Angel of Sweet Death and the Codeine Scene and and all of those songs and like, you know, classic. And I listened to it and I was like, slay. But it wasn't slay. You know what I mean? Um, but then I think it was around the time that I went for Hosier's concert to last July. Um, and I, so before that album, I was redoing listens of the first and the second album. The second album I know really well, but the first album I was kind of like not as familiar with, obviously. And I was listening to Jackie and Wilson. I was like, damn, it slaps. And I saw it live and I was like, damn, that slaps. So it's a great song. And, you know, I don't know. I, what I like about it is kind of like this vibe of like an adventure. And I'm I'm, I'm a sucker for an adventure. I'm, and I don't want to get into astrology, but I don't know if it's because I'm a Sagittarius moon and I have a Sagittarius moon. I'm a Sagittarius sun. And I don't know if it's because I have a Sagittarius stellum, but I fuck really hard with adventures. Like, take me on an adventure. I'm going to have a great time. I don't know, like, you know, this notion of being in love and having the time of your life with your partner and then just going around and doing things. And it's like, it's, it's just the two of us and it's laughter and it's like intimacy and like, you know, like something that only you two can understand. I, I don't know. I think that's really brilliant. Um, but yeah, and so tying into it beautifully was my love for Wasteland Baby as a song and as an album, but first as a song.
Yeah, that's it. Um, Wasteland Baby is my favorite album. Um, but Wasteland Baby, that's the song specifically, is so very precious to me because, you know, it's about falling in love, but kind of like how that's a metaphor for the end of the world or maybe a comparison or maybe a parallel, depending on how you want to see it. Um, and I don't know, it's just... It's 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 very intimate as a song and it's soothing. It is a song that I've been having in my everyday playlist because I have a lot of playlists. Um, but it's one that I've had for a really long time, and it was my. Let me check my most like you know my top hundred because I'm an Apple Music baby, so leave me alone. Um, but my you know like the top like twenty twenty two and one. So it was my top twenty twenty one. And my top 2022. So in 2021, the song I most listened to was Wasteland Baby by Hozier. In 2022, the song I listened to the most was Wasteland Baby by Hozier. I don't know if you see like how bad this is. Um, this year, obviously, it is the song Messy by Olivia Dean because who am I? And then if any of you are concerned, 2020 was Rosalind by Bon Iver and St. Eddie, I think is. St. Vincent, rather. Um, so that gives you a sense of how those years went for me. Um, anyway, um, but I think it's so delicate and it's kind of like, it's 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 a song about surrendering to love, which if, you know, I mean, I don't want to be like those, you know, um, YouTubers. If you know me, you know, that's my favorite thing. But I don't know, surrendering fully to love, I think is such a beautiful thing. Um but Wasteland Baby as an album, it had has empowered me. Um, it gave me a safe room to be sad, to be remorseful, to be anguished. It gave me room to be in love. It gave me room to be horny and slutty because, you know, there are a couple of songs on the album like Talk or um, there's another one. I think it's Talk and Be Slutty. Like that man is a man whore. But that's another conversation that we're not going to have tonight. Um um yeah and then yeah see i always forget it um i forgot to include in my favorite songs arsonist lullaby which is the song that i was listening the most before i got into hosier like the album was great like i told you i had like i knew the classics of the album but in the deluxe version there was a song called arsonist lullaby that was so fucking good and, and i'm leaving you with it
Yeah, um, I don't know. I think especially the last chorus and how he's not screaming. Because like in the previous chorus, he's screaming. Well, who's your singing, I guess. But in the last chorus, it's very like talking softly. I don't know. I think it's just like, I remember listening to the song and just feeling empowered every single chorus. I was like, let's go. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just a brilliant song. Um, but yeah, now... Um, the last song and I'm really sorry because I keep going over time I need to get a hold of myself but if I don't try to insert Olivia Dean everywhere then you know something's not going right with me but going on to that feeling of nostalgia and kind of like keeping tabs and you know like keeping and not in touch but observing other people around you would be dangerously easy where do you love from? Explain How did you find your way? This happiness suits you A job you don't hate Hate in the town With your mate In an arm full of bad This song, I think, captures the feeling of holding on, of keeping tabs, like I was saying. Um, Dean describes it during the concert as how she hasn't followed any of her past boyfriends because she wants to know what they're, what they're up to and how they're evolving in life. Like she wants to know. Um, and it's something that I relate to a lot because it's something I've been doing less now, but I used to do quite a lot. Would be to, I wanted to know how they were doing. I wanted to know if that was this life-shattering experience in their lives, right? Um, and kind of like wondering, like, you know, well, me seeing how you're doing is also infusing on how I'm doing. And like, I want you to know how good I'm doing, which is very silly. And, you know, I think it was just a way of coping. But, um, yeah, it's not something I do anymore. So there you go. Then for the movie and the show, I'm going to go through them probably a little too fast. But the first one I'm going to talk about is the flat share. 
uh, I think it's Paramount. Um, I'm not talking about it because I just binge watched it last week and completely fell in love with the show and was completely and utterly obsessed with it. Even though it might. Um, this is not my new personality trait, by the way. It's more, it most likely is. Um, but the show is about Tiffany who has just, well, who has just been dumped by Justin and she, he's like, yeah, you have to move out. And so what happened is that she moves into Leon's flat. Um, but Leon's flat is a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. And so the deal that they have is that Leon takes the day shift and Tiffany has a night one. They've never met. They share a bed, they share an apartment. And what starts as like a kind of like a way to leave notes with post-its kind of like turns into their very own language and their very own way of communicating. And the reason why I talk about this is because one of the art throughout the show is Tiffany's undecisiveness towards Justin. Like, Justin is a fucking asshole. Like, I know that it's a book and a lot of people disagreed on how it was adapted on screen. But Jesus, one thing everybody agreed on was that Justin was the worst. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This one was so infuriating. Um, but the thing with Tiffany is that despite all the pain that Justin had caused her and like, you know, the cheating and like kicking her out of the flat and keeping her under his arm in case he needed her, all the love bombing and everything. There was always a part of her that wanted to remain with him and it was blocking her, blocking her from moving on. Like it was like she had evolved in so many ways by the end of the show. But the one final thing was her telling Justin to get the fuck out and to live her the fuck alone. And, you know, I think like, it showed that, you know, like how she still like circled back to him and was kind of like her way of holding on to something that was comfortable, you know, even though it wasn't serving her anyway. Um, but yeah, um, and that reminded me of the quote from the Broken Heart Gallery, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is you can't have a good relationship because you keep mourning the old one, which was Tiffany's case. Like her screen saver, like her wallpaper on her phone was just in until like episode five out of six like, or four out of six, like, come on. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was kind of like a right illustration of like how the nostalgia and wanting to get back to how things were is rarely a good idea. And then the movie I'm going to talk about is Past Life, Past Lives, um, by Jean Song with Greta Lee and Teal Yu, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, and I mean, there's no better movie that captures the notion of nostalgia and you know longing for something that happened and kind of like relinquishing that one true love or that one past love um the movie is about present day Nora who is about to meet her first love Song, after 24 years of being away from one another um Nora is married to Arthur now and has developed a dual identity of being both American and Korean um, so Nora was born in Korea, but moved out when she was about 12, I think, 12, yes, um, living song in Korea and like kind of getting on with her life. And this movie, outside of the obvious theme and narrative, is great, I think, along the lines of belongings and like you know, notions of identity, because like even Nora's name is revealing who she is and who she appears to be and how she presents herself to the world. But the movie and and I think the notion that kind of like ties really deeply with the theme of today's video is the notion of inyon which Nora describes as meaning providence or fate 
but is specifically about relationships between people. So the term inyan is rooted in Korean Buddhism. And I was actually reading a really good article by Conversation um, and how they explained it, um, which is where I'm like basing all of those information off, and I'll be linking that as well. Um, so the article explains that the in means a direct causes and yan means indirect causes. And so it's like both direct and indirect causes that together constitute the various plethora of reason for why two people are meant to meet and meant to fall in love. Um, how a relationship forms and how a relationship forms um, and how that relationship receives meaning that is given from heaven. That's how they explained it. And I think that's fucking beautiful. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like how you meet someone and how you're meant to be. And then that could dwell in the question of like meeting the right person and being with the right person, which I think is a whole other kind of worm to which I have absolutely no answer for. Um, so I won't even try to get into that. But another quote, because I think it's just like beautifully explained in the movie, like it's a movie I really enjoyed. Um, and I think it was just like so true and so raw and so honest even at the end of what happens it's like it's not dramatic it's just I think it's kind of like showing how you would expect people to do the worst thing in certain circumstances and like you know in the movie it's always dramatized right but this movie kind of showed that no human beings with emotional intelligence they might not have all of it but they have enough um but the quote is it's an inion if two strangers even walk past each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush because it means there must have been something between them and their past lives. If two people get married, they say it's because they ha there have been 8,000 layers of inion over 8,000 lifetimes. Um, and like, listen, one thing about me is I'm always going to eat up anything about fate about soulmate, about finding that someone through a crowd of 9 billion people. I will eat that up because it's, because like, that's like, that's also the question of finding someone. Like, how do you, how do you always know that this person is right for you? And I know that you feel it, but what if what you feel is just kind of like an in-between for something else, right? But that, like I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to go off a tangent there and that's not the point. Um, and the article also mentions the notion of Egyan, who I thought I it's, I think it's very interesting because it's kind of like the antonym to inyon and it explains like why beef or ill-fated relationship happens happen and how they trace back to past life so like you know someone in a past life past life that has really really wronged you like in the present life you could be like I don't like you this doesn't work um but yeah overall this movie is good it's, it's great uh and for me I think it's the ending the ending really ties it all up together like the chemistry between the protagonists is amazing like you can tell that they're absorbed in each other that they are meant to be that there are soulmates if that even exists but at the end it is very bittersweet and i obviously like immediately saw the parallel with la la land you know at the end when mia goes to the bar and realized it's seb's bar and they see each other and they see the life they could have had together but at the end, they understand that to fulfill both of their dream in the way that made sense to them at the time, they needed to be separated. Um, you know, that, that notion of protagonist meant to be, but this is not like La La Land, even, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't that case, um, that they're meant to be, but this last lifetime isn't theirs to have. 
I think that's it's so it's so delicate and it's so bittersweet but it's also so like so 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 it's also like precious in its own way like you know knowing that it, it's not your time yet and trusting that you will meet them again I guess um but I think past lives is better because they kind of like elaborate on that very notion of past life that all along all we've seen during the movie the journey that we got to witness is just one of the eight thousand rings of the inyan that we're not witnessing the lifetime where they get together we're witnessing the one that will allow them to be together fully um and i think that's that's geniusly done And moving on to the book, and hopefully I'll be done by 55, because this is getting long. The first book I'm going to talk about is Just Kids. Just Kids, Just Kids is a memoir by Patti Smith, retracing her early years in New York and her deep friendship with Robert Maplethorpe, the, food, the photographer. And I wanted to include it, this book because Patti described their relationship so beautifully. So, oh my God, you can tell I'm trying to rush to the end. You know what? It's okay. If you decide to listen all the way to the end, then kudos to you. But if you don't, I understand. Um, she talks about their relationship very kindly and very purely. And I don't have the book with me, but I remember that, you know, their bond was just like a genuine understanding of one another that was just like transcending like relationship in the way that we would understand them. Because I think they started off as lover and then they just remained friends. And... I love that, you know, it ended as a friendship, as a powerful relationship, but that she still got married afterward and that her husband, Fred, was, as she described him, the true love of her life. And, you know, you get to see the care between the two of them. And, you know, like kind of it makes me think now of this scene in Arrow. I think it's season two when Sarah comes back, Sarah Lance, and Felicity feels left out by Oliver Wright. And I think she gets shot or something, but she's like under pain medication. And Oliver is like, you know, like Diggle told me that you felt left out. And she's like, yeah, you know, I didn't feel like your girl anymore. And he was just like, you'll always be my girl, Felicity. And I think well, that's just they're so sweet. Like Felicity is just like a ship well done through and through. But um, it reminded me of that, of like, you know, like you still have that very special place in my heart, regardless of how it ends or regardless of what happens. And the last book is South of the Border, West of the Sun by Aruki Murakami. And I think this is the first Murakami book I present on the podcast because I've read a couple. I've read about five to eight, depending on how you count 1Q84. I've read Blind Willow, Sleeping Woman. I finished Men Without Women recently read Norwegian Wood, um, read South of the Border, West of the Sun, and then all the 1Q84, which took me forever to finish. Jesus fuck. Like, it took me two years to finish all three books. Um, and one thing I gotta say about Murakami, but it's the, like, you know, usual disclaimer, is, like, I like his writing style, like, how he describes object and situation and settings, <sighs> though this man can fuck right off with how he talks about women. And those various pedo-predator moments in his book, like, so many times. Like, you get a 17-year-old woman who's, like, being seductive with a 30-year-old man who's, like, awkward and doesn't know how to deal with his sexuality. But, oh, my God, the 17-year-old who's barely finished pu puberty is, like, the one who knows and who's being promiscuous. 
And I'm just like, come on, my guy. Like, be so fucking for real. Hell. There's a place in hell for this man for how he writes about women. Um, but this book particularly is about the friendship of Hajime and Shimamoto. Um, and it's a bond that started when they were children. And then his family moved away. And then 20 to 30 years later, they reconnect in one of his bar in Tokyo. Because you have to know that all male characters by Murakami are somewhat mimics on him. They all like jazz. They all studied literature and English in college. They all eat very simply and like it's very sober, but it's very like qualitative and they're like very refined and very like, you know, keep themselves to themselves. Anyway, um, but yeah, anyway, so Hajime has a bar in Tokyo, a jazz bar because, you know, Murakami owns jazz bars, obviously. And so they meet again and they start having an affair, which kind of like the relinquishing of all lost patient, lost passion. And Hajime has a wife and he has two daughter. I think Shimamoto has a daughter as well and is married. But, you know, like, I think it's kind of like a parallel to past lives where in past lives, Nora and um, um, where they don't cross that line. But in this book, they do. Um, well, in the book, like in the Murakami book, they do. And I kind of like thought of that parallel and like, you know, how when you're infused with, you know, your life and, and kind of like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a case-to-case basis of like, do you want to throw, not throw your life away, but kind of like reshape your life drastically? Or do you just want to like that to be your secret? Or if you just want to hold on to that in a very pure form. But anyway, they, you know, relinquish all that passion, but they don't end up together. I won't spoil it because I do like how it was done and how kind of like, the ending happened for each character or one of them really um yeah um but yeah like i i had this note saying yeah like and here like in west south of the border west of the sun the protagonists risk it all that they don't limit themselves to what ifs and unspoken secret and truths um but this book and it's one of one of the thing i really like about it it transports you to an environment of jazz, of elevation, of intimacy. Like this book, I flew through it. I loved it so much. It's one of my favorite Murakami book. Um, I don't know, it was just so intimate. I don't know if this, it's the secrecy or it's just the way it was written. And if it's like the rainy nights where you, like, you know, Shimamoto goes to the bar or whatever. But it's like, what I remember from reading it at the time is that it was so comforting. And it was like, I was transported. Um... But yeah, 55 minutes. Hey, we did it. It's probably going to be 56 by the end of that. But I think that's it for the episode. I have to work on my transition to like, you know, talking about books and then outros and then talking about music and then talking about movies. But I actually really like this theme. I kind of like pushed off writing it for a long time because writing that process, like writing like the actual like podcast notes is very overwhelming sometimes because there's just so much I have to think about in terms of movie, in terms of music and everything. But once I get started, I just go through, which is really fun. But it's just like the getting started that's hard. Um, and I feel like, you know, that nostalgia and that kind of like, I don't know if there's a particular word for it, but that feeling of something that got away is something that we've all felt in some respect. And I thought it was, I don't know, it's very intimate and it's very cute. And I'm doing a late night recording as well. So I'm having a blast. Um, 
I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'll see you soon. It was my pleasure to have you back here. And I'm sending you love and kisses and for life to be full of wonders. Bisous, bisous. Thank you.